Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. How you doing? Great to be back in the chair here, as I do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, although I, I think I missed on Friday. My friends, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies typically do the days I'm not here. It's one hour of live stream chatting, and we used to do something called Super Chats, which is where our viewers were chipping some money, but then YouTube went and demonetized us. They never gave us an explanation for why. They never pointed to a single video we did or anything of that sort. They just said, we're going to cut you off. And that hurt us to the tune of about $400,000 a year, which of course, if we didn't make it up through crowdfunding, would cause us to have to restrict something. It would, you know, that you just can't take a whole lot of our budget like that. That would require us to lay off staff or stop traveling to cover journalism. And I simply refused to do either of those things. So thank God for you, our viewers, who helped us come through. Um, what that also did is that forced us to discover other alternatives. We still have not been banned outright from YouTube, but we realize that that day is coming. Uh, I don't want to say goodbye to YouTube just yet because we have 1.46 million subscribers there, and I don't want YouTube to come between us. So we still do post things on YouTube, and right now we have uh, 500 people watching on YouTube. It's great to see you. But we're exploring other uh, forums. For example... Right now, this very second, we have over a thousand people uh, watching on Rumble.com. And I always find that puzzling because we have only like 50 or 60,000 subscribers to our Rumble channel. That tells me that YouTube is throttling us. I mean, if we have not even 5% the number of subscribers on Rumble as we do on YouTube, and yet we have double the number of live stream viewers, that tells me that YouTube's throttling us. So it's great to be on Rumble too. And thanks everybody for joining there. We're also on a, a cool site called Odyssey. Um, I like Odyssey's very high tech. Uh, it's they got a really nice user interface. They also are crypto based. They have a cryptocurrency called Library that is, um, it strengthens their site in a number of ways, including making it harder to delete. Um, and finally, uh, we are with the newest online platform, a Canadian platform called superu.net. And what I like about superu is that they are a free speech platform. And we have 34 people there. And I understand that they're introducing um, tips. Uh, they have a, a chat section, uh, obviously. But I understand, I haven't seen one yet, but I understand that folks can um, make a tip, can actually chip in uh, to sort of like uh, those YouTube Super Chats were. All right, so hello to people watching on all four of our platforms. It's a pleasure as always. There is so much news that's gone on, it's unbelievable. So much happened over the weekend. I've got a show tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. It's called Canada's Worst Cop. And boy, that's a tough competition. I start off by reminding people that there are some great cops out there, and there are cops who have actually given their lives to save the rest of us. So um, I want people to know there is such a thing as Canada's best cop. Unfortunately, for the last 15 months, we've seen the worst. And tonight, I give out the uh, award for the person that I believe is Canada's worst cop. So that'll be on the show at 8 p.m. Eastern time. I think we'll probably excerpt at least some of that um, on YouTube and our other channels. So I think we're now posting all of our videos on all of these platforms. Is that right? I think we are, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things I was following over the weekend, and um, one of them, actually, is the most hopeful thing that I've seen in a fair uh, while. It's the creation of a new TV station uh, in the United Kingdom. And I don't just mean a YouTube channel. I mean an actual TV station on on the television. Uh, traditional style TV. Now, it's also online. It's also on an app. I've downloaded the app, and it's great. Um, and it's called GB News. The GB standing for Great Britain. And they really emphasize that because the BBC, and the B there is British, um, the BBC hates Britain. It just does. They, they call the flag racist. They support the take a knee thing, even though that's an American shtick imported to the UK. 
Um, the BBC is completely offside with the people on issues like Brexit, for example. Um, it's probably 90% of people on the BBC were for remaining in the European Union, whereas the majority of Brits wanted out. So this GB News was launched last night, and they have some interesting talent. I know one or two of them. But the boss of the thing, his name is Andrew Neal. And I've, I don't know, maybe you've heard me say this. I think he is the best journalist in the English language. I just, I've seen him in action. The first time I ever saw him was when he did a video about the Bataclan terrorist attack. Did we ever show that? I just came across this guy. Do you think you could find that maybe on YouTube or something? Andrew Neal Bataclan, B-A-T-A-C-L-A-N. That was the, the horrific terrorist attack in Paris where they went to a sort of a, a music club, a nightclub, and just slaughtered people. And it was shocking. I actually went over there. Uh, and I came across this guy in a gorgeous Scottish accent just sending it. And I thought, who is this guy? I mean, uh, you, you've got it there? Let's play just a minute of it. This is the first time I ever encountered Andrew Neal. Hello, welcome to this week, the week in which a bunch of loser jihadists slaughtered 132 innocents in Paris to prove the future belongs to them, rather than a civilization like France. Well, I can't say I fancy their chances. France, the country of Descartes, Boulet, Monet, Sartre, Rousseau, Camus, Renoir, Berlioz, Cézanne, Gauguin, Hugo, Voltaire, Matisse, Debussy, Ravel, Sanson, Bizet, Satie, Pasteur, Molière, Frank, Zola, Balzac, Poulenc, cutting-edge science, world-class medicine, fearsome security forces, nuclear power, Coco Chanel, Chateau Lafitte, Coco Van, Daft Punk, Zizou Zidane, Juliette Binoche, Liberty, Egality, Fraternity, and Creme Brulee. Versus what? Beheadings, crucifixions, amputations, slavery, mass murder, medieval squalor, a death cult barbarity that would shame the Middle Ages. Well, IS or Dash or ISIS or ISIL or whatever name you're going by, I'm sticking with IS, as in Islamist scumbags. I think the outcome is pretty clear to everybody but you. Whatever atrocities you're currently capable of committing, you will lose. In a thousand years' time, Paris, that glorious city of lights, will still be shining bright, as will every other city like it, while you will be as dust, along with a ragbag of fascist Nazis and Stalinists that have previously dared to challenge democracy and failed. Huh. I saw that, and I thought, who is this guy? And he's got such a style to him. That guy's name is Andrew Neal. And I was hooked immediately. I thought, he, he knows a lot, so he's, I, uh, he's got the intelligence and the sophistication and the intellectual horsepower of, of anyone, but he's got a plain-spokenness of few people. And, and I think that he was always um, not quite in place in, in, on channels like the BBC. And so he retired recently, and I thought, come on, you're retiring? you got so many more rounds left in you. Um, and, and he's affiliated with the Spectator magazine. And I, I saw him on Twitter because he would, he would punch a bit on Twitter, but I thought, my God, you were being underutilized. Like, I really think, and I, I mean, that was just, the, I just wanted to show you the first time I encountered him. Because so many in the West were all mew, 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 and there's Andrew Neal just sending it. And anyway, he, I, I followed a lot of his interviews. Oh, my God, his interview on Jeremy Corbyn on the anti-Semitism in that party was like watching a lawyer in a cross-examination. You know what? Can you dig up one more thing? Andrew Neal, Boris Johnson. Holy moly. That's the thing about Andrew Neal. I'd call him centrist, maybe a, maybe a 1% to the right. But the main thing to know about him is that he's a great interviewer and he does his research, again, so well, like a lawyer in a cross-examination. So he just absolutely shredded Jeremy Corbyn. In fact, 
Once, once he got the Boris Johnson thing, I'd love to show a bit of that Corbyn thing. The best interviewer, the toughest, the smartest. Uh, I became jealous that, that only Brits could follow this guy. But, of course, on the Internet, anyone could follow him. Yeah, it's an interview with Boris Johnson. And, and, and Boris Johnson tries to baffle gab his way through things. But Andrew Neil was better prepared. They're talking about like some section in, in some statute. And Boris Johnson didn't know what it was. But Andrew Neil did. I don't know if you can find that one. Yeah, just play, just literally put it halfway through and just click play because it's just so good. Any part of it's good. Because as prime minister, doing that could cost lives. Well, as I say, I, I reject entirely the assertion that anything I said made things worse. And indeed, I think that any attempt by others to point the finger of blame at the UK government, Nobody at the UK foreign... That. Well, you are. If I may see your... Uh, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to work just... out if you made it worse. There's a volatile You're... situation in the Gulf at the moment. Correct. It is a dangerous place. Our Correct. ships are under attack. The Royal Navy has had to be mobilized. That's absolutely right. We are all, the more reason to be firm, all the more reason to be firm with Iran. Indeed. And not, and not to inculpate ourselves and, to, and, 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 and as, as it course, were, to assume the, blame the problem for is situations this, as Prime where, Minister, where the Iranians are themselves... No one's doing it. You go fault. off again at a tangent to avoid answering the so question. So what's the, the issue is this. The thrust of your, loose your, I don't understand lips, the thrust of your interrogation. Loose then. lips cost ships. Well, I think when and it, you have loose lips, Mr. Johnson. When it comes to uh, what's happening, in, to answer, you know, if you're, if you're asking a serious question about what's happening in the Persian Gulf. All right, it's a long interview. There was just one moment where Boris Johnson says, what about section 6.8.2 or something? And Andrew Neil says, yeah, but what about 6.8.3? I'm making up a number there. And Boris Johnson didn't actually. It was just gorgeous, gorgeous. But you can see he's tough with Boris Johnson, the, the nominal conservative. Do you have the clip of him with um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn? Because that was like going to a butcher shop. And I just want to show you that he's tough on politicians on any side. And... He's so engaged and so prepared. He must spend days uh, briefing himself in advance. Do we have a, just a clip of that, Jeremy Corbyn? Corbyn? Okay, that, yeah, just put it, put it anywhere in there. Protect temples and protect mosques. We will protect the cemeteries also. We will not allow anti-Semitism in any form in our society because it is poisonous and divisive just as much as Islamophobia or far-right racism is. And I think we can agree on that. Except and that they, they don't trust you. They don't well, think your heart's in it. When they've you say, seen, they've, when seen, you say, they've seen you share platforms with Andrew, some of the world's they, vilest anti-Semites. When you say there, who do you mean? Uh, many Jews. 80% of Jews think that you're anti-Semitic. That's quite a lot of British Jews. I mean, wouldn't you like to take this opportunity tonight to apologize to the British Jewish community for what's happened. What I'll say to, is this. I am determined that our society will be safe for people of all faiths. I don't want anyone to be feeling insecure in our society. And our government will protect every community. So against no the, apology. Oh, against the abuse they receive on the streets, on the trains, or in any, so other, no apology for in how any other form of life. And, try one more time. No, no hang apology. on a minute, Andrew. Can I explain what we're trying to do? You have, and you've been given plenty of time to do it. I asked you if you wanted to apologize. Andrew, and you I haven't. don't want anyone to go through what anyone has and gone Anyways, the guy is a tiger, and um, you, can, you can understand why. And credit to both Corbyn and Johnson to sitting down with him. But other cabinet ministers are so terrified. Anyways, so this absolute bulldozer of a journalist who is scrupulously nonpartisan? Um, he's super smart, but he's got a plain touch. I mean, how, I think he's the best journalist in the English language. I'm a bit of a fan. So he he retired, and I thought, what are you doing? You got ten years left, and you maybe twenty. Uh, like, why are you? And so he was on Twitter. I thought, gee, that's a waste. And he he would do a few YouTube things, and and I thought, my God. And then I heard that he was being tasked with leading an entirely new news network. And I'm talking big, not just a small thing, like an around-the-clock shows every day, like 
even bigger than what Sun News Network was in Canada. And they put together a great group of people, many backgrounds, a real focus on the regions in the UK, not just the metropolitan fancies in the city. And last night they debuted, and I have no stake in this other than I'm a super fan. And I downloaded the app for free, you can watch it for free. And I, there's this opening introduction by Andrew Neil that is so great. And yes, it's for British audiences and it's called GB News, Great Britain News. So you're probably saying, okay, Ezra, enough. You're an Anglophile, whatever, shut up, we heard you. No, no, no. I want you to hear this from Andrew Neil and realize how applicable this is to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, United States, any media, anywhere. I'm jealous that they have this in the UK. In many ways, this is even more vigorous than Fox News in America. Take a look. It's 8 p.m. on Sunday, June the 13th, 2021. Welcome to the launch of GB News, Britain's news channel, dedicated to covering the news that matters to you and to giving a voice to those who felt sidelined or even silenced in our great national debates. Because if it matters to you, it matters to us. GB News will not slavishly follow the existing news agenda. We're not a rolling news channel, nor will we be providing conventional news bulletins. But on all of our programs and platforms, you'll always know what's going on and what the country is talking about. We will broadcast news programs throughout the day that are appointments to view, built around passionate presenters with character, flair, attitude, opinion, and yes, a sense of humor. They will concentrate on the stories that matter to you and that others are neglecting. And even when we're covering the same stories as others, we'll come at them in a very different way. We put together a lineup of youth and experience, of familiar faces and fresh ones. They come from all backgrounds and all parts of our country too. Our team of national and regional reporters covering the whole of the UK is the backbone of GB News, embedded in communities they know because that's where they hail from delivering the huge range of stories and voices that reflect the views and values of our United Kingdom. What unites us is the firm belief that now is the time to do news differently. We are committed to covering the people's agenda, not the media's agenda. We will not lecture you or talk down, and nobody will be allowed to Hector. Indeed, Hector has been banished from the studio. GB News will not be yet another echo chamber for the metropolitan mindset that already dominates so much of our media. It is our explicit aim to empower those who feel their stories, their opinions, their concerns have been ignored or diminished. We are proud to be British. The clue is in the name. And while we will never hold back from covering our country's many flaws and problems, we will not come at every story with the conviction that Britain is always at fault, usually to blame when things go wrong, generally useless. We won't forget what the B stands for in our title. We will cover the good news as well as the bad, because even in grim times there is much that is great and uplifting to report and celebrate about our country. We will encourage debate and conversation to include voices you don't often hear on other news broadcasts. We'll sometimes quote controversy, but we want civilized discourse, not shouting matches, no matter how heated our discussions become, and we like heated discussions, but we will always demand respect for opposing points of view. We won't dwell much on the latest gossip of the Westminster bubble, which is too often obsessed about matters of no importance to anybody else. We will puncture the pomposity of our elites in politics, business, media, and academia and expose their growing promotion of cancel culture for the threat to free speech and democracy that it is. We'll be more concerned with what will raise prosperity and create jobs in our left-behind towns than what some overprivileged and ahistoric students decide to hang on their walls in Oxford. Social mobility and a fair chance in life for all will matter more to us than the wasteland to nowhere that is identity politics. And if you want fake news, lies, disinformation, distortion of the facts, conspiracy theories, then GB News is not for you. 
Because in everything we do, we will be guided by the highest journalistic standards written into the contracts of everybody who works here at GB News. Robust, even disputatious debate, of course. A much wider variety of voices than you currently hear in broadcasting, certainly. But never the promotion of matters we know to be untrue or the pushing of facts that are convenient to a viewpoint that may be convenient but not properly checked. And when we do make mistakes, as we will, we will correct them quickly and without quibble. Along the way, we hope to have fun. We hope you will too. GB News will aim to inform, inspire and entertain. We start the journey tonight. We hope you'll join us because if it matters to you, it matters to us. I'm Andrew Neal and this is GB News. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously he's talking about the UK, but could not everything he said there apply to us here in Canada and to the United States? and to Australia, and to New Zealand, and to the West in general. I think it could. And maybe, I mean, listen, you can tell I'm a super fan of his. But maybe mainly it's just I saw this talent, and then I don't know where the dough came from. I don't know who the investors are. I, I, it was published somewhere, but I'm actually not even that interested. Because they created this amazing thing, and they just launched last night. Oh, and there's one more detail. In its first night... It was the top-rated news channel in the United Kingdom. I, now, maybe it's just the excitement, but still, in your debut night, you beat the BBC News Channel and Sky News on your first time out. Pretty impressive to me. Last point, I watched about an hour of it yesterday on my app. The most, perhaps the most stunning thing were the ads. They had premium blue-chip ads and a lot of them, maybe it was just on the app, but so what? Uh, I mean, from even woke companies like uh, Amazon, for example, had an ad on them. I mean, that's a pretty woke left-wing company. Uh, so they're attracting mainstream ads. And it's funny because on Twitter, all the lefties in the UK were saying, I'm going to boycott whatever advertisers are on there. They were saying that before the channel even launched, by the way, which shows how close-minded they were. But my point is, good luck with that. They have some of the leading blue chip, you know, top 50 companies in the UK advertising there. I didn't know all the brands because there was um, British brands I'm unfamiliar with. But anyways, I just am thrilled with that. And I think it's proof that if there's a channel that has regulatory f fairness, it'll succeed on the populist right. I don't know if they have that full regulatory fairness in the UK. I know they have something called Ofcom, which is like a, a version of the, our CRTC or the American FCC, but it's uh, more onerous than the FCC. I know in Canada, Sun News Network was killed because of the regulator, the CRTC, and the cable monopolies. So I hope that same fate does not befall uh, GB News. And I'm glad that they're so digital friendly. Like I say, you can watch the whole thing on your app. They're active on Twitter. They're active on Instagram. I think they've got a real shot at it. Anyways, I, I know I sound like a fanboy. I have no connection with them other than I am a fan. And obviously not everything they talk about it will be of interest to people around the world. But I think a great number of the issues they do talk about are of interest. In fact, I mean, not only are some British personalities interesting to the whole world, like Nigel Farage was on last night, but for example, the taking a knee thing. That's a real big deal with British footballers. They, that's what we call soccer. Like soccer is a huge, it's, it's a huge sport in the UK. And they're, they're, a lot of the woke clubs are taking a knee, even though that's an Americanism. And so the fans, who are very, very diehard, are booing the taking a knee, but they're not booing black players or, or anything like that. They just hate the Black Lives Matter political party. And so the league is threatening to ban people and, and to dox people, and it's this real battle. So that's something that's, like that, that's a common theme. A lot of the things that are happening to us in Canada and the United States happening in the UK too. And it's exciting to see this channel rebut them. Anyways, thank you for letting me tell you that. That's really just something I found very interesting.
Um, so that was the good, the good news in my mind from the weekend. Um, there was some terrible news. on. I think it happened on Friday evening. Maxime Bernier had landed in Manitoba as part of his anti-lockdown tour. Maxime Bernier, as you know, is the former cabinet minister under Stephen Harper, the former independent MP. He broke away from the party under Andrew Scheer. I always thought he should have just bit his tongue and stayed with Andrew Scheer, who was doomed to fail, and then Bernier would be the the obvious successor, but he didn't. Anyways, he ran in the last election um, under his own banner, the People's Party, and unfortunately, in my view, he lost, he didn't win any seats and he lost his own seat. So now he is still the leader of the party, but alas, he has no seats in Parliament, which not only deprives him of a forum and some standing, it also deprives him of a budget uh, and media coverage. The rest of the media has basically decided that they're going to try and memory hole him and, and erase him and deplatform him, which is surely made easier by the fact that um, he's not in Parliament anymore. Um, anyway, so he was landing in Manitoba, and both the Premier and some local mayors said, you're not welcome here, which is their opinion, and they can say that. But um, we're Canadian citizens, and part of being a Canadian province is you're part of Canada, and so you are open to other citizens. If you uh, are looking for a legal authority for that, I direct you to, I think it's section six of our um, constitution, which gives us mobility rights. Um, now, by the way, Justin, I'm seeing some tips. Is that from Super Chat? I mean, is that from Super U? Oh, that's great. So, um, Okay, got it. So, anyways, I, uh, folks, just FYI, Justin uh, is working hard there on, and I think Margaret's there too, on um, the chat from the various four platforms we're on. So let me just read a few. Uh, Binga sends one library happy chat. Shout out to Justin. So thank you for that, Justin. And guitar. Arubal Richadio, truth is the new hate speech. Yeah, it's not the truth. On Super U, we got a tip from Vito Anthony D. Two bucks. Well, thank you for that. Another Super U tip, Annalisa, 10 bucks. It's working. The tip function's working, isn't it? That's great. Uh, Belly Belly, two bucks. Despinsvi, 10 bucks. Vito Anthony D, another two bucks. KV1, KV01, three bucks. P123 Galactic, 246. And another 1234 and Andrezy two bucks. Well, that's pretty cool. It's working. Super U tips are working. Well, hopefully that'll help replace the $400,000 a year that uh, YouTube took from us when they demonetized us. So a big thanks to our friends at Super U and congratulations to them for adding the tipping function. I don't think they have the tipping function on rumble.com. They have removed it from us on YouTube. Odyssey has the function, but it's in that uh, crypto called library, which uh, is interesting. I've got to wrap my head around it a bit. Anyways, um, so thanks to all those supporters there. So um, Bernier uh, was arrested. He was just arrested. Do we have the video of him being put in a car? Let's take a look. Afternoon, sir. Yes, Purple yes. Park with the RCMP. Yeah. I can get you step out of the vehicle. I'm going to place you under arrest right now. Yeah. Right now, you're under arrest under the uh, provincial health orders. Okay, so if you can just put your hands behind your back, face towards the vehicle. Okay, put, give me one hand here. I'll get you to the vehicle, okay? Thank yep. You. The other hand. Do you have any weapons or anything on you, sir? Weapon? No, no weapon. Only, anything on you only that's my hurt words. Me or anything, anything like that? Sorry? Anything on you that's going to hurt me or anything like that? No, no, anything will hurt you. Only my words, only my philosophy, only what I believe in. Okay. All right, come on over this way. Hey, that's cool. 
arresting the, an opposition party leader, handcuffing him, putting him in a police car, taking him to jail. That's cool. That's really cool. When Russia does that, it's international news. Amnesty International puts out a statement. When Venezuela does that, same thing. In Canada, so Brian Pallister, the premier, and some nobody mayor said, you're not welcome here. And then surprise, when he shows up, the police, and was it the police or was it a brand called Under Armour? Because I noticed that RCMP officer was wearing a sponsored ball cap. So was this an RCMP arrest or was it an Under Armour arrest? And um, are RCMP uniforms optional? Maybe this was just some private errand he was running for the premier. So he didn't feel it would be appropriate. He put that back up to show people what I'm talking about. Um, just hold the frame at the cop's hat. Um, the RCMP regulations uh, describe what uniforms are permitted. Um, and yeah, just move a little forward till we see the hat. If you can just, uh, yeah, do you see that? Like that's, that's, an, that's, that's Under Armour, right? That's a brand. Um, so what I'm curious about is if this cop, yeah, so is this an arrest on behalf of the RCMP? Is this an arrest on behalf of the Premier? Is this an arrest on behalf of Under Armour? Who's actually doing this arrest and why? Who thinks it's appropriate to pull over a car and handcuff someone for, for no crime? Just, to, just so you're clear, Bernier was, has not been charged with any crime. You know what a crime is, right? If you uh, don't know what a crime is from the plain language of that word, you can look it up in a book called The Criminal Code where they list all the crimes. And um, going to a gathering or giving a speech or whatever he was doing is not a crime. So we've arrested a political party leader, handcuffed him and jailed him, and was this front page news across the country? Did you see it anywhere? I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really pick up uh, traditional newspapers, so I don't know what's on the front page, but I don't think it was. Um, because it's fine by the media party. They don't like Maxime Bernier either. Um, I wonder what it would be like if it was uh, Stephen Harper's RCMP that arrested and handcuffed, let's say, the Green Party leader. How would that go down? On Rumble, Nick Monk says the Bernier arrest was widely covered by Canadian media, not imagine if it was Jagmeet Singh getting arrested, the wailing would be endless. Yeah, and with, with good reason, because we don't really arrest politicians in our country. That's more of a, a Putin thing or a Nicolas Maduro thing. It's a disgrace. Uh, but Trudeau was miles away. He was partying. Um, here, here he is in uh, the UK at a G7 conference looking, yeah, just if we have any B-roll of him. Do we have him meeting the others on the beach or him? Yeah, I think we do. Do we have sound on this or is it just B-roll? All right, so they all came, I think one of them's wearing a mask. I don't know why Merkel's wearing a mask because she wasn't wearing a mask at the meeting they were just in. So they all had just come from a meeting where there were no masks and they were standing right next to each other. And now they're going to have this performance art <clears throat> where they stand four feet apart, not six feet, not three feet, four feet, because the science is a little bit different. Did Merkel take off her mask? Yeah, she took it off. Because science, you know. So this was their spaced, uh, their socially distanced photo op. And um, Merkel took her mask off, but she walked with it on. And now she's putting it back on now. Normally it's Trudeau that's so weird. Like, what? What? Are you now all of these people you see here have been vaccinated? They just all have. So, why is she wearing that? Who is she wearing it to be protected from? Or is she to protect them from her? 
because they're not distance there. They were just spaced up, but now they're hugging arm around arm, walking up the, the ladder, the stairs together. Who's that guy with the mask? And they're stopping that reporter. I always approve of that. Um, I'm kidding. We're the ones who are usually stopped. Um, but that, re- yeah. So they're they're close. Like there's no masks there. There's no real rule for masks now. It's whatever you think the virtue signaling demands in the moment. Uh, Trudeau was, you know, his usual self. Nothing intelligent to say. Um, there was this moment where he was asked the media about the media, and he compared newspapers to that ancient, uh, you know, insult to newspapers is today's newspapers tomorrow will be used to wrap fish. Uh, maybe that's how fish is still, uh, I have, I, um, maybe they still wrap fish in old newspapers. Um, but that's, that's probably something he heard in, a long time ago and thought was funny. So he mentioned that, but just think about this in the context of, I mean, I love the fact that he, uh, well, just, just see for yourself. Take a look. During a time of dueling crises of the pandemic and climate change, the impacts of this G7 will be felt long after the newspapers you write for will have been used to wrap fish. Maybe I won't do the newspapers and fish thing. I might get in trouble for that because we respect the freedom of the press and the independence and the work uh, that you all do in a very important way. What an idiot. Um, But the thing is, I have to acknowledge his contempt for journalists is probably well-founded because he knows how cheaply they sold themselves for $595 million. Let's call it $600 million. He was able, able to buy or rent, to be more precise, every newspaper in Canada. They're little, literally stenographers. He is their number one source of revenue for each media company in this country. And of course, he has contempt for them. And of course, I mean, the fact that he paid $600 million for fish wrap, that's not really the point. He paid $600 million for those journalists in the room to be obedient stenographers. And he can't help. Like there's Occasionally, I, I sympathize with the lad. There he is. He, he sees people who will do anything for a few pieces of silver. How can you not have contempt for such people? Um, but he shows that the only people he's a little nervous about are Quebecers, so he won't repeat the insult in French. There's a lot to think about there. Um, Trudeau, it's very funny. There's... Um, there were stories about the fact that uh, with Merkel's departure, uh, Trudeau will be the the dean of the G7, as in he's um, been around longer than than many other world leaders. Joe Biden, obviously, is brand new. Uh, Japan is a new leader, etc. But typically, the the elder statesman is someone with some gravitas, and I don't think anyone feels that towards Trudeau. It's sort of funny. There's been some, there's some a fun Bloomberg report on that. Just just pitiful, just cringeworthy. But obviously, what people were most interested in is uh, Joe Biden, the new U.S. president. What's he like um, off a teleprompter when he's maybe got a little jet lag and he's not closely handled? Uh, what's he like? The answer is absolutely terrible. I'm going to show three videos, four videos, in a particular order. I want to start with when they were all sitting down and Boris Johnson was introducing people around the table. And uh, Boris Johnson had introduced the leader of South Africa. And Joe Biden forgot about that a minute later and said, hey, you didn't introduce the leader of South Africa. And Boris Johnson said, yeah, actually, I, I did, Grandpa. You just forgot who's sitting around the Thanksgiving table, the Christmas dinner table. Um, and... And someone on Twitter pointed out, look at Johnson's arm gestures. He never would have tried that with Donald Trump. Just take a look at Joe Biden's forgetfulness, Boris's frustration with forgetfulness, and Boris's natural sort of spatial, um, personal space disrespect towards Biden. Take a look. Uh, I'm just saying how pleased I am uh, to welcome uh, those who have just joined us, bringing some pretty spectacular weather 
Uh, with them, Prime Minister Moses, uh, President Ramaphosa, President Moon, in just a minute. And the President of South Africa. And, and, and the President uh, of South Africa, as, 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 I, as I said earlier. Oh, you did, I did, I did, I certainly did. But you get elected twice, so. I'll go over that again. I'll, I'll, let me tell you, we're, we're, we're delighted, I'll, 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 I'm delighted to work with joined by Grandpa, I already introduced that person. You know who that is, Grandpa. That's, um, that's your seventh grandchild. I mean, he, he really is like a forgetful grandpa at Christmas dinner. And everyone sort of saw it there. You forgot the South African leader. No, mate, actually didn't. Um, he just said weird things like, is there anyone in the entire world, or at least anyone who follows the news, who doesn't know what COVID is? Well, Joe Biden thinks so. Listen to this idiot. COVID is, I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID is. That is a system whereby uh, they're going to provide funding for states to be able to get access to vaccine. A lot of people don't know what COVID is? What? Um... <laughs> You know, um, can you pull up a map of the Middle East? Just on Google Maps is good enough. I've had the uh, opportunity to go to a few countries in the Middle East. It's not safe to go to many of them. And uh, I should also say that if you're Jewish or Christian, there's some places that are a little bit less safe also. I've been to Israel. I've been to Iraq. Um, I would have liked to have gone to Libya for archaeological or historical reasons, but I don't think it would ever have been particularly safe for a guy like me. And these days, Libya is a total failed state, and I blame Angela Merkel for that, and Barack Obama too. Um, but if you look on the map, I mean, I suppose the Middle East is small by the standards of the world, but it's, it's actually, you know. Um, so do you see where Libya is? Yeah, if you close the box on the left, if you can. So, and zoom in just one more, one more notch. So... You see Libya, it's almost in the center there. Libya is a pretty big country. It's opposite Italy. There's a lot of cross-Mediterranean people smuggling. Libya is where Muammar Gaddafi was uh, the tyrant, and then he was displaced, and now it's basically gangs. Um, so Libya is over there, and then to the, to the east of it is Egypt, the ancient civilization, Cairo, one of the world's largest cities. Um, then that, that's the Sinai Desert, that little triangle there. Uh, that's part of Egypt now. And then Israel, very small there. And then Jordan. And then Lebanon, very small. And then do you see where Syria is? And then Iraq's next to it. And I've, I've had the interesting experience of going to northern Iraq, which is the Kurdish region. Look at how dominant Iran is. Look how big Iran is. Iran is uh, one of the largest countries in this region. Uh, large military, advanced military, and that little uh, gulf there, that's uh, the Persian Gulf. There's so much of the world's oil comes out of there, not just from Iran, but from Iraq, and all those little gulf, when they say those gulf emirates or those gulf states, that's your small countries like your Bahrain and United Arab Emirates and whatnot. So um, that's, that's a very dangerous part in the world. Iran looms large. When I was in Iraq, there was a lot of Iran influence. You could feel it. Turkey, too. So, <clears throat> anyhow, can you see the difference between Syria and Libya? Like, they are completely different. They're completely... Like, that may not look far away. That's far away. That's very far away. And they're very different. They're very different politically. I mean, yes, they're both, they're both Muslim Arab places. It's true. But that, that's about it. Um, Syria has a lot of Russian troops in it. It has a strong allegiance with Iran. Um, there, there's a Russian air base, at, at least there used to be. I don't know if there is right now. Um, Syria and Iraq is where the Islamic State carved up their turf. Libya is far away. How do you make a mistake confusing the two? Well, Joe Biden did three times in one minute. Here, take a look at this. Look at this. Um, we can work together with Russia, for example, uh, in, uh, 
in Libya. We should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it, it is, and by the way, there's places where, I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe are contrary to international norms, but they have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on. And for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, they're there. And as long as they're there without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, and you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in, uh, in Libya, uh, that, uh, okay. I know they're both Arab countries far away. But he's, he's been on like the House Foreign Affairs Committee or, or the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee for like 40 years. I mean, you and I, if we get mixed up, Libya, Syria, I've been in either country. Uh, I follow the news as a hobby. I'd be near Syria, near Libya. That's the best I can say. He is a 40-year expert on these subjects. Does he not know the difference between them? He does know the difference. But he's getting old. You can see it in his face. He's got that vacant look. He can't remember what his briefing is. He can't remember when 20 years ago, he would have had all these facts at his fingertips. Even if he was wrong ideologically, even if his judgment was questionable, he would have beaten you at any trivia game for foreign affairs. Don't get into a foreign affairs trivia match with Joe Biden circa 1995. He'll, he'll just run circles around you. Like John McCain, he'd probably been to every country in the world and met every leader on both sides of the aisle in the world. Now, he, he gets mixed up three times in a minute. And later his staff had to, had to clarify what he meant. Hey, can you pull up the cover of Time magazine? Before we do, let's just throw to one more clip <laughs> of him uh, saying his staff gets mad if he takes the wrong questions. Let's just play that clip and then we'll go for the Time magazine cover. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacobs, Bloomberg. Got it. So if you don't take the questions that your staff lists for you, you're going to get in trouble with your staff. Why is that? I mean, shouldn't you be able to answer any question put to you, even if your answer is, I can't tell you for security reasons, or, um, or even if your answer is, let me get back to you? Why would you have to follow a script written by your staff, and why are you worried about getting in trouble with them? Aren't, aren't you the boss? Um, do you have that Time Magazine cover? It's, it's Biden wearing uh, his, reflect, uh, his mirror sunglasses, and it's um, how he's going to take on Putin. It's probably, on, probably easy to find on Twitter. Let me see if I can find Oh, you got it there? just calling that up right now so um yeah taking on putin and there's joe biden looking really tough in his in his mirror sunglasses and putin there do you think this declining fossil is a match for putin putin's obviously 20 years older now than he was when he took over. But what's Putin's age? Putin is um, 68. Now that's only 10 years younger than Biden, but I think Putin is all there. He's physically there, he's mentally there. And um, I think that we just saw what, Putin, what 
Biden is like, oh, in Libya there, we got to do that thing, you know, the thing. You know, um, did we ever show the Dana Carvey impression of, of Biden? Can we get that again? Because that's so good. And it's not even mean. It's just, it shows how Joe Biden, so said, you know, the thing, you know, you know, no, no kidding, the thing. And then he said, I mean, two things. First, uh, you, you know, I mean, Dana Carvey does a really funny impression of Joe Biden. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, let's take a look, just a refresher. When he's like the gentle father to the country, and he looks like the alien who came off the spaceship in Close Encounters. Yes. Folks, come on, folks, let's get real. I'm not kidding around here. You know, you know we got to do the thing. We did Barack. We did the deal, you know. And, uh, you know, my dad, my dad, you know, lost his job in Scranton. No joke. No joke. I'm not being a wise guy here. He said, Pops, why'd you lose? He said, Joe, I did. My mom said, that's the cookie. Which she, the crumble, she says, what do it? You know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Number one, the thing that they said, come on. Number two, the two part. Folks, three, you know, come on. I'm not kidding around. No rocket science. Here's the deal. Come on now. Now that he told, he knew, he knew it floated. He told Bob Woodward, it's Joe Joanne Woodward. He told, he told Bob Redford, excuse me, you know, but folks, I care. I care a lot. People are suffering and I do. And my mother said, you know, that's the way the cookie is. It goes those places. And you know, we can do this shots. We can in fact, in better than we did before. So that I do the. You know, that's really, really good, isn't it? He gets the, you know, when, when he runs out of things to say, he says, no, no malarkey. I'm not kidding. And how he just bungles, like, number one, the cookie crumbles. Like, just uses, and, and, that, and that wasn't even mean. That was just watching the verbal and rhetorical tricks that Biden uses to save himself from the stresses of being forgetful. Um, I mean, we all forget things. I, when I forget things, I call it a Biden moment. I, I lost my wallet the other day, but I didn't lose it. I knew it was somewhere. That's a Biden moment. Okay, you lose your wallet, you lose your keys, and after a while, it happens soon enough, and you know you're not losing your wallet and your keys. You're, you're actually losing your mind. And you, so you get defensive, and you get, well, you know, the two things. Come on, guys. And you just retreat to this little fog machine that you pump out that can get you through Christmas dinner. They can get you through when you meet your grandson's new wife and you forget her name. And so you find these little tricks to get through awkward social moments where if you were 20 years younger, you would have nailed it. You would have remembered who was what and the difference between Libya and Syria. But now, I mean, you know, the place and, and the Russians, you know, like Libya or Syria, you know. The, the thing, the th you know, the thing. And, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau is at that intellectual level, but Trudeau's unimportant in the world. Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, they see what's going on. And it's terrifying. You know, some people, have you heard of the COVID? No malarkey, it's uh, not good. Some super chats on Super U. Bishop says, when discussing Libya, don't forget Hillary Clinton. We came, we saw he died. Oh, they're terrible things. And I want to say this. I don't think that Muammar Gaddafi was a good man in any single way. But after 9-11, number one, he gave up his weapons of mass destruction program. He was building nukes. He gave it up. Number two, he paid over a billion dollars reparations for a terrorist attack he made. Have you ever heard of a terrorist paying reparations for it? We talked about this, Justin. Come on. You know the thing. Muammar Gaddafi and his agents blew an airplane out of the sky. I think it was called Pan Am 103. I think it was over Lockerbie, Scotland, if I'm, remember if I'm remembering my details, the plane. And um, it was an absolutely horrific terrorist attack, huge casualties, shocking, obviously. And it was quickly linked back to uh, Muammar Gaddafi, the tyrant of Libya. He denied it, of course, but they were you know, there was sufficient proof. Muammar Gaddafi, after sort of lying about it for a decade, said, all right, 
we will pay over a, I think it was over a billion dollars compensation to the families. Now, obviously that doesn't bring back the loved ones. But that's, have you, I mean, in my whole, I can't think of any other terrorist group who's paid reparations. Have you heard of anything like that? Like, I just have never heard of that before. And I'm not saying that makes him a good person. I'm just noting that he did something I had never heard of done before, which is taking responsibility in a real way by giving over a billion dollars in reparations, by giving up his weapons of mass destruction program, and basically saying to the West, I want to join the family of nations again. Okay, that's a pretty good thing to hear from a tyrant. Um, so Hillary Clinton took him out. Angela Merkel said, sure, I'll take everyone into, into Europe. Uh, the slave, the open-air slave ar- markets are back in Libya. It's controlled by uh, Islamist warlords. The country's fallen apart. It's just little city kingdoms and roving bands. So yeah, I'm not saying Libya was the best place in Africa, but I'm saying it was turning around. Rumble, MVP9337, the ramblings of an old man. Come on, you know the deal. Hollywog, did Trump get in trouble for not taking the right question from the right porter? Well, that's the thing. I mean, for all of Trump's war against the media, you have to admit, he took an enormous number of, a number of questions from CNN. Like Jim Acosta, he, he clearly despised Jim Acosta. But I think he took a question from him every single day. Like... It would be as if Justin Trudeau took a question from Rebel News every day. Do you, do you really hate Jim Acosta or do you actually sort of love him? I mean, is it real fighting or play fighting? I don't know, but John, Donald Trump didn't hide. And, and sometimes his press conference would go more than an hour. More than an hour. And most of it weren't questions. It was just sort of attacks. By, you know, the thing. Some of you may have heard of this COVID. Um, Canuck 58, Biden is painful to watch. Yeah. Perseus, in Canada, we pay terrorists for their suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> $10.5 million from Trudeau to Omar Khadr. Whereas uh, Muammar Gaddafi actually paid a billion dollars to the victims of Lockerbie. Unbelievable. Well, it's been a a heck of a weekend. I hope you tune in tonight for my worst cop in Canada show. Um, And by the way, I go through about 10 contenders first. There are a lot of contenders for worst cop. I don't want to give away too much of it, but I I give out some sort of um, second place awards, like for most corrupt police force, stupidest police, um, meanest police, most violent police. It's a hell of a competition, Uh, lots of video footage, but I think I have found Canada's worst cop. So if you're interested, tune in at 8 p.m. It's behind the paywall. We call it Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our our premium vids, TV-style shows. Uh, It's eight bucks a month to subscribe, um, 80 bucks for the whole year, and you keep Rebel independent and strong, which is um, important because we don't take any money from, from Trudeau. So just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe for that. Uh, it's one minute early. Uh, so instead of opening up a new subject, I'm just going to randomly choose some comments. Um, Nancy Graham, why does Rebel News never mention Kevin J. Johnson's name? Well, I have interviewed Kevin J. Johnson before when he was charged with a hate crime or something like that. In fact, he, he was here in studio and I interviewed him. Uh, I gave him a fair hearing. I was not impressed with what he had to say. He said he was excited to be charged. I said to him, if you're excited to be prosecuted for a hate crime, you don't understand what's happening. And he's had a series of bad judgment calls that have led to him losing um, in a court of law. Now, simply losing in a court of law is not a sign that you're morally wrong, but he has gotten wilder and wilder in his conduct. And... Um, I don't agree uh, with some of the prosecutions of him, obviously. But when you publish photos of Alberta Health employees and say, if I find you, I'm, I'm coming to your home, and like, like stalkerish things like that. Like, I, I don't want to misquote the exact words he said, but they uh, implied 
either coming to their homes or violence. Um, you're really moving beyond political commentary there and into, into the realm of personal harassment. So he's being arrested and I think he's being held on that. And although that may be excessive, uh, and I don't know, I haven't immersed myself in the facts, I'm certainly not gonna uh, approach it as I would with someone who is purely conducting himself politically. When you start you know, doxing um, bureaucrats and encouraging people to take vigilante action, I'm, I'm just not gonna put that in the same category as political journalism, I'm just not going to. So that's my answer to that question. Um, Koi Koi, no one loves Jim Acosta like Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. That's very true. All right. Well, it's 101, so I'm going to go. Thanks, everybody, for watching. At this moment, we have over 1,500 people on the censorship channel called YouTube. We have 58 folks on Super U, and we got some tips there. That was very friendly. We have a bunch of folks on Odyssey, uh, 59 folks, and we, we have some Odyssey tips using that library cryptocurrency and on rumble 2441 folks watching pleasure to be with you today i'd like to say thanks to everyone for being with us today tomorrow um sheila gun reed and david menzies will be in the, in this chair i'll be back on wednesday but i do encourage you to tune into my show tonight